This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com, as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, welcome into Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Happy, 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 happy National Signing Day number two. It's not as big as number one, though there were some big players <clears throat> out there today to be signed, and South Carolina got one of the the biggest ones. What a day for Shane Beamer and South Carolina to win a major recruiting battle with plenty of national attention. And if you were following closely the Nick Harbor situation, it was uh, a roller coaster ride for uh, fans on a number of, of sides. If you're reading stuff on the internet and trying to keep up with things that are happening and, you know, um, people were all over the map trying to figure out which way this one was going to, uh, to go. And I didn't really know until I talked to uh, Mr. Harbor at about 1220 this afternoon. If you follow us on Twitter, I put out a tweet after talking to him. And at that time, there's something he said, it kind of clicked with me. And he said, his, he said his son and his, his, his mother, the son's mother, his wife, uh, we're away talking in another room, and this was at the school prior to the uh, 1 o'clock announcement actually came about one ten, And he said that um, he mentioned Shane Beamer and the relationship and the impact Shane Beamer had had on his son. And I asked him about, basically, is this now a highest bidding thing? And his response was, you can't put a price on my son. Money is not an issue. We're not talking money. It's about where I can take my son and leave my son and know he's going to be cared for. And then he immediately brought up Shane Beamer and the relationship. And he said the things that Beamer had done with his son had impacted his son. That was right then and there, really the first time that I felt like South Carolina had a really good chance to uh, win this recruiting battle. And thus they did. And they add a major, major international talent uh, to their football roster and their track roster. He's an internationally acclaimed sprinter listening to uh, Curtis Fry, the USC track coach, talk about him. Uh, people know about him all over the world from a track standpoint because he's 6'6", he's 225, and, I mean, he runs incredible incredible times in the sprints and uh, just a, a freak of an athlete. I mean, he's... I think the closest thing you can compare him to at South Carolina would be Jadavion Clowney. They're different types. Clowney was a lot heavier coming out of high school. Now, Clowney was pretty fast for a guy his size, but he's not this fast. You know, he's not world-class sprinter speed. So it was funny. Shane Beamer talked about getting an audio message from Harbor at 2.57 this morning. And whatever was in that message, it didn't sound good to him because he thought at that time, okay, this is not trending our way. And he went back to sleep and he woke up later and those audio messages disappear after X amount of time. They don't stay in your phone. And he couldn't find the message again. He said he thought he'd had a dream or as he put it, a nightmare um, 
and he went and talked to some of his coaches and found out, yes, indeed, he had gotten the message. And uh, at that point, it was not trending South Carolina's way. He didn't think, uh, but he stayed on the phone. He continued to uh, talk to Harbor and to others around him. And uh, at some point in time, it just clicked with the Harbors that South Carolina was going to be the place for him. And he signed with them right after announcing a very simple announcement on ESPN2, nothing fancy. Did not uh, make any of the other schools look bad. Just said, I'm going to go to South Carolina and answered the questions. And, and that was that. Now, uh, tonight, we're loaded up, as you might imagine. But if you want to jump on board here early on to express your reaction to that, shocked, not shocked, uh, blown away, uh, can't believe it, whatever you, uh, however you want to describe it, we'll take your phone calls, 888 that's the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number in the sports talk. We'll bring you comments from Beamer after the bottom of the hour. Then at 7.05, we're scheduled to have Azuka Harbor and his son, Nick Harbor, assuming the son can join us. But I've talked with the dad and asked for both, and he said yes. And so hopefully, fingers crossed and everything goes well, 7.05, we'll have the two of them on with us. Uh, Mr. Harbor is a terrific fellow. He has a fairly heavy accent, and so can be a little bit hard to understand at times, but I think we'll get through it just fine. And then Dabo Sweeney today, he didn't really have much to talk about from a recruiting standpoint because they didn't do anything. They signed their entire class, signed them up in December, and so today was a day just to reflect on where they are now, to formally introduce Garrett Riley as the new offensive coordinator, to let Garrett Riley talked to the media for the first time. They did announce that uh, Walker Parks is out for the spring, going to have some surgery. And so that's two offensive linemen who are out for the spring. But uh, Riley talked about wanting to be physical and fast on offense. And uh, we'll hear from him and we'll hear from uh, Dabo Sweeney tonight as well. So we got all that going on for you. Just to tell you, I mean, from a a local standpoint, except for the other schools signing players, and we'll get into that as well. Like I said, Clemson had nothing. Uh, South Carolina also signed Elijah Caldwell, who'd previously committed to them, the receiver out of Northwestern, and they were very happy to get him. And then uh, Xavion Hardy, the defensive end out of um, Macon, Georgia, who's been committed to South Carolina, signed with East Mississippi State Junior College. No, it's just East Mississippi. East Mississippi Junior College, where he – he plans, if everything goes well, to uh, join the Gamecocks after the 2024 season. So two years, 23-24 at the junior college, and his hope is to enroll at South Carolina in what would be January of um, 25, January of 25, and have at least two years of eligibility. But that's down the road, but that is his plan. So otherwise, it's just been a pretty normal day. Tom Brady retired. And let's see what else is going on as we welcome Chris Bergen in. You know, Tom Brady, I was thinking about this, he must not have gotten a lot of love on his national signing day back in 1980-something, whenever that was, because now this is twice he's re- he's retired on national signing day. Like, he needs the attention and grabs the attention away from the, the high schoolers signing on national signing day. Well, he went from a total unknown, right, when he was signing with Michigan to now – 
perhaps the greatest football player of all time, so I don't know why he would need to steal their thunder. And I think it's more of a situation that he realized. I think the uh, Dallas Cowboys showed him it was time to head out and do something else and go into uh, broadcasting. And, Phil, it looks like he's actually going to make more money thanks to Fox doing broadcasting than he ever did for football, so I don't know why he'd be all that upset to retire. No, except that competitive itch. I mean, this is a guy that needs to scratch that competitive itch. So, you know, maybe in his mind now he wants to compete against Aikman and Romo uh, to be the best of the major national uh, announcers, the former quarterbacks as well. You know, can I be the best guy at that? And time will tell how much work will he put into it, how much does he need help from a uh, broadcasting standpoint. Um, I mean, certainly I he's got the knowledge of the game. But, yeah, how are you going to bring that personality? The thing about exactly. Romo, Romo didn't need it. Uh, Aikman's a little bit dry and could probably use a little sprucing up here and there. But he's just like an old shoe. You, you've, you've had him for so many years it feels comfortable. Uh, Romo needed nothing. He got, he's got the personality that he mm-hmm. exudes and it yeah. comes out. We'll see what, uh, what Bradley uh, – Bradley, what, um, what he brings to the table – uh, and, and and see where it goes from there. But, yeah, he's certainly going to be well compensated. Yeah, I think Tom Brady has got a lot of work to do from the broadcasting standpoint, and props to him. I mean, if you were going to pay me 300 million dollars to uh, work on Sports Talk, I, wouldn't, I would never miss a show. I would work constantly. Mm. You wouldn't but. be taking uh, flights to uh, <laughs> Shreveport, Louisiana, through Atlanta, and visiting with the big show when you're sitting in the airport, huh? How about that? That was one of the uh, crazy. This has been the wildest road trip, and we've still got a day to go before we actually play the game here. This is one of the better road trips I have been on. I'm actually coming to you from inside the Fant Ewing Coliseum, which is the third oldest building in the Sun Belt. It was constructed back in 1971, and it was constructed at a time where every arena was round. Hmm. You know, had the big dome on the top, and everything was round, like the old Charlotte Coliseum mm-hmm. downtown, which uh, it looks identical to the old Charlotte Coliseum, and, and it has not, unfortunately, from ULM's perspective, has not been upgraded all that much. Still has offices in, in this building and just an old school basketball rate up. Yeah, going through the Atlanta airport yesterday, I sent a picture to uh, Phil and Pat and Smitty last night. We're walking through the airport. I happened to glance over sitting at one of the uh, terminals waiting on his next flight. I said, I know that guy. That guy, I recognize that guy. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute, that's the big show. And I was like, it can't be. Mm-hmm. So I pulled up his uh, bio page, and sure enough, it was the big show of WWE wrestling fame. I think his actual name is Paul White. Yes. If I'm not mistaken, now that he's transitioned out to all elite wrestling, that he's actually using his regular name, not his stage name. And so sure enough, the players got pictures with him. They were thrilled because these guys follow wrestling a whole lot more now than I, I do. I used to be into professional wrestling. I'm not anymore. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they told Coach Ellis – that the big show was was down the hallway and he's like where is he I'll, I'll go who first off he tried to play it off as if he didn't know who he was yeah and so he goes down there to talk to him and sure enough cliff ellis who knows everyone and i've told him he needs to write a book because as much basketball knowledge as he has it's only surpassed by his rolodex because this guy knows everybody and and phil you've been around coach ellis long enough to to know this stories are true but he walks up to him starts talking to him and he told me afterwards that he remembers bringing him on a recruiting visit to clemson he, he wasn't sure he didn't remember them offering the big mm-hmm. show a, a chance to play and he ultimately played at wichita state but brought him on a recruiting visit with eldon campbell 
Now, I would say from a Clemson perspective, if you had to choose between the two, they picked the right guy. Yes. Because Eldon turned out to be just an amazing ACC basketball player. But, I mean, it, he, it just it goes to show you that he knows everybody. And so he talked to him for a little while. And finally, Big Show recognized who Coach Ellis was. It had been that long since he had seen him. And he's like, oh, yeah, I know you. And, and the players got a big kick out of that. So I'm, I'm convinced if you ever go through the Atlanta airport and you, you could sit there long enough – you would, you would meet and see every person you've ever known in your life yeah. through that airport at some point in time. I also remember him because he was a football player, too. And mm-hmm. I want to say it was King Academy down there in the Aiken area where Correct. he grew up, King Academy. And I think one time, if I went back through my notes, I bet you I could find a phone number for him from his high school days because I think there was one time I made a phone call to him when he was considered a football prospect. Then, as you mentioned, he ended up doing basketball and going to uh, – to Wichita State. So, all right, glad you made it out there in good shape. Of course, uh, last night Clemson was upset at Boston College. That was hugely surprising. And Tigers just didn't play well. And South Carolina lost at home to Mississippi State. A bad Mississippi State team came in and played better than a bad USC team. And, you know, a lot of things happened with USC last night that we've seen throughout the season. Uh, Gigi Jackson had a good offensive game from the standpoint of scoring, I think, 15 points. But he had zero rebounds. He had zero yeah, rebounds. That can't happen. No, you would think he would get accidentally one rebound. He had zero rebounds. <laughs> now, they did get 14 rebounds from their vastly improving uh, big man in the middle uh, who has really been the guy that's given them, I think, game in and game out here of late, uh, some of the best effort. And he continues to uh, to get better, Josh Gray. He had 14 rebounds last night. That was a career high. But they didn't shoot it well. A uh, lot of turnovers once again. Way and too many. Just, yep. a, just another, you know, overall poor showing of the Gamecocks. Now they get Arkansas at home on Saturday afternoon. So this season continues to, uh, you know, spin down the drain, which maybe was kind of expected with the complete turnover for the most mm-hmm. part of the roster with a new coach. And, I mean, what – and, look, I don't think that uh, – Lamont Paris is getting beat down or anything like that. I think he's trying to establish his turf, establish his culture, and realizes that he's, you know, he's got to recruit a couple of more classes of guys that, that play the way he wants to play overall before he can put on display the kind of basketball team that he imagines having at South Carolina. I would agree, but you can't have, and I don't care whether he'd been in his first season or his 10th season like Frank Martin was, you, you can't have your best two players have 12 combined turnovers like they did last night. It goes back to a situation we were talking about Monday, and I'm, I'm not referencing the officials. The other reason that they, they have struggled, and you brought this up coming out of the Georgia game, 12 turnovers from Michi Johnson and Gigi Jackson, and they scored 21 points off those turnovers. Well, you want to know where the difference in your game was last night? That was it. Mm-hmm. And in a 66-51 ball game, they, they take care of the basketball, especially Michi Johnson. As good a shooter as he can be at times, you just cannot cough the basketball up the, the way he is doing with that great frequency and hope to be successful. And again, it goes back, and it's nothing they can do, but I think this South Carolina team for Gamecock fans may be looking for a, a, a little silver lining here. I think they would be much better with Abrima Deba available to play because he would be your true point guard that would handle the basketball. And I think – cut down on some of those turnovers, he should be available for them next year. Now you're going to lose all these guys off of this year's team, so you're basically going to be, it looks like, for the most part, starting from scratch. But, yeah, the 
something they've got to iron out if they ever want to be competitive the remainder of the season. And the Clemson game is just uh, that's that's you know that's that's head scratching there mm-hmm. because I didn't see that one coming at all. That's a team that Clemson should win, should beat, and should beat badly, and not struggle the way they did last night. And that's going to be another one of those losses. They don't have many. But of the few losses that they have, that's going to be another one, Phil, that falls in the bad loss category mm-hmm. that's going to hurt them in the net rankings. Well, three of their losses were to teams with really bad records. Uh, mm-hmm. Boston College, South Carolina, uh, Loyola, Chicago. Yeah. You know, that'll come back to bite them when it comes to, uh, to tournament seating time. Pat, real quick, what you got? For the Carolina game, first of all, two stats that stuck out to me that were just a bit, a bit head-scratching were, first of all, they were outscored in the paint 42-16. to 16. You combine that with they were being outscored on fast break points, 19 to two, and that two wasn't until the last couple of minutes of the game. So there's no real effort to push the ball down the court in a fast break scenario. But then once they're in the half court set, they're also not methodically working the ball inside. So it's it, those two things just don't quite align for me. There's, and I don't know what the answer is to that. It just seems like once they're in the half court set. They're just passing the, the ball around until the shot clock gets in the single digits, and then whoever has the ball hoists up a three-pointer. But yep. then there's but then there's no effort to push the ball down the court. And, I mean, Mississippi State also had 16 turnovers, but that didn't lead to hardly any fast, fast break points for the Gamecocks. And maybe you hit the nail on the head there with just without a true point guard out there, Michi Johnson being looked at as more of a shooter than a facilitator, maybe that is, is, is hurting them quite a bit. And then the Clemson game. Quite frankly, the Tigers are lucky they didn't get beat by 20-plus. I mean, they went 13 minutes in the second half going into inside the final minute of the ballgame without a field goal. 17 straight misses. Absolutely. Two of their last 19 17 straight misses. And they still were within striking distance until until the last 25 seconds or so. But Brownell, I'm sure we'll hear some audio from him later. Uh, One comment he said was, quote, Oh, wait, now I don't have it in front of me. Oh, shoot. Um, well, he talked about how he just couldn't get his guys going. All night long, he just he, he took the blame, but he, he talked about how he just could not seem to get the guys up and, and ready to play all game, especially in the second half. Okay, let's jump to your phone calls. 888-898-2525 is our phone number. Then we'll hear some comments from Shane Beamer. And then top of the next hour, the Harbors. And then the following uh, part of the show after that, we'll hear from the Sweeney's. Uh, well, Sweeney and um, his new offensive coordinator, Garrett Riley. The Sweeney Riley. team. The Sweeney team. I just call them the Sweeney's, though. The Sweeney's. I, I just like want to call it the Sweeney's. Let's go to RJ in Columbia. Get things rolling tonight. If you're a Gamecock fan, I mean, let's face it. This is one of those rare occasions in recruiting where you had deep, 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 deep suspense and mystery on a big, big timer. And you won it this time. RJ, welcome in. How are you? Hey, good, Corn. Hey, hey guys, how are y'all? I, Corn, I kind of wanted to talk with you about Harbor. It was a really big get for Shane. Uh, and uh, um, But I did want to let you guys get in discussion about this guy. You know, he is, a, he is listed as an athlete. And the film I've watched, he's a much better defensive end prospect than anything else. And here you have a guy who – and first of all, he's listed as a tight end. That's going to be seven tight ends. I don't know if you know this. Seven tight ends that they're bringing in. Well, let and me I tell know, you. Let I, me tell you right off the right off the bat here. They're going to play him at wide receiver. Well, he's, he's that, going to be a wide my, receiver because uh, that's what he said today after his press conference. He wants to be a receiver, wide receiver. 
And Beamer said, you know, it makes no sense to put him in a tight end spot, hand in the dirt, and block a defensive end. They're going to split him out, play wide receiver. And I'm sure that was all part of the – I got a feeling that might have been one of the questions. Remember yesterday when I had the story with Mr. Harbour and he said that they they talked to South Carolina, got some questions answered once again. I got a feeling that might have been part of it. Because at first they had Sterling Lucas recruiting him a good bit, the defensive ends coach, and then Jody Wright, the tight ends coach. Uh, but here at the end of the day, they, they're they going to play him at wide receiver. And, I mean, my goodness, a guy that large who can run that well, how fearful is that going to be for defensive backs when they line up against him? Well, I don't think he's that good of a, of a receiver. I mean, I've watched his film, and, you know, he's not a very good route runner. And what kind of weight program are they going to put him in to keep him at 225? I mean, this, this kid could be 270 easy. And and I'm just not too sure how much football he wants to play rather than track. And I I just think, you, you know, I think we need to, like, hold off. Let's see what's really going to happen here because I'm telling you right now, defensive end is his natural position. Hmm. And you, you might have another Dakarian Joyner situation, okay, where he wants to play quarterback, but he really never got to be a quarterback. So I, I just think it's going to be a, a wait-and-see situation with him he's got the speed he's got the size but you, you know let's i i have some reservations about it just wanted to ask you guys about that thanks corn thank you well those are great observations chris i cannot point. uh dispute any of that but again look you know he's, he's a high school kid uh coming off of high school coaching and he's going to get college coaching and um he's going to be in a great nutrition program and a great weight training program everything that you can find everything that you can get he's going to have at his disposal and he'll probably put on a little bit of weight but he's also you know got to be careful as curtis fry said today the track coach he can't put on too much weight because you put on that weight of course and it it slows you down obviously uh and and his the track is very important Uh, and how they handle that is going to be key to how much he enjoys his time at south carolina but i believe working with curtis fry and with Harbor, that they're going to make all the accommodations necessary to make sure he's able to do his football but also uh, cover his track needs as well. Did I misread some comments from him earlier today, and it's very possible, but I, I thought I read somewhere that he's hoping to maybe cut down a little bit on his weight, partly obviously for track, but now that they're looking at moving him away from tight end to perhaps playing more wide receiver, he wanted to be a little slimmer. Is that, is that not the case? Could be. Could be. Go the other direction. Uh, mm-hmm. If and when we have him on 705, we'll ask him that question. You know, I think who you ought to chat with is his mother from hmm. reading the uh, stuff you did today. And I thought you did a terrific job covering the recruiting with, of him. So props to you, Phil. But just it, it seemed like she was the she was steering him in one direction or the other. Where, wherever she was most comfortable was where Nick was going. It sounded like the dad said, all right, look, son, this is you and your mom. You go decide. I'll be happy wherever you go. And it sounded like that Shane Beamer had won her over, and that was the linchpin to getting him to come to South Carolina. I think that was a big part of it. We'll ask him. Uh, the dog, Boomer, was a big part. The mom loved <laughs> the dog, Beamer's dog, Boomer. In fact, Beamer said today he was afraid he was going to have to tell his family that they were shipping Boomer off to D.C. to go live with the uh, Harbors because <laughs> she, liked, she liked the dog so much. All right, quickly, we get back to your phone calls, and we go to Kevin who's in a traffic jam in Greenville County. Boy, that's uh, that's unique, a traffic that's jam not, on I-85, huh? Yeah. Hey, Kevin, how are you? Hey, doing well, man. Great show tonight. 
Thank you. Huge, huge signing to beat Michigan and Oregon and Maryland and Miami to get Nicholas Harper. Uh, can't say enough about Beamer recruiting. And, you know, a lot of this goes back to Dowell Loggins as well. I want to give him credit. Uh, you know he has some input in this. And listen, this kid wants to be a receiver, play him at receiver. He wants to be a safety, play him at safety. At South Carolina, we're all about making your dreams come true. Whatever you feel like you can do and whatever you want to be, that's what we're going to encourage you to be. Uh, we're not going to put you somewhere that you're not happy, right? Uh, you know, in the track team, man, what a blessing for these guys. They haven't had the competitive athletes the last few years that they had back in the mid-'90s and early 2000s with, you know, runners like Terrence Trammell coming through there. So kudos to them for getting this guy. Um, you know, wide receiver is a huge area of need for our team next year. Uh, we've got one great receiver coming back, a couple backups. I think it's perfect to put him at that position. Coach Steph, one of the finest receiver coaches in the country. Um, we're also looking at, you know, getting Mazio Bennett out of Greenville High School next year. I mean, this could be a real boom for us. My thing is, I hope this guy stays with us the full four years. I hope somebody doesn't come along in a couple years when he's selling and come up with some NIL money to take him somewhere else. Uh, right. I'm so we, we have to jump in. Hang on. We'll be right back after this break. Okay, it's National Signing Day night here on Sports Talk. And it hasn't been a busy day in terms of volume, but it was a busy day in terms of bigness. It's a big day. It's a big day for South Carolina. They uh, were one of the top teams in the country. They only signed the two players. One had been previously committed. The other took it to the wire, Nicholas Harbor, and the nation was looking in. And the nation's probably thinking, well, he's going to Oregon, you know, Nike. He's going to Michigan. You know, it is Michigan. He's going to stay home and go to Maryland. He's going to go play for the U. Anything but South Carolina. When you look at that, that group of five and – he went with his heart. He went with the guy who had recruited him when he was a freshman in high school when he was at Oklahoma. Beamer first started recruiting Harbor when he was at Oklahoma and kept it up the entire time when he came to South Carolina. And it's, it's a long, 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 long process mm-hmm. with a lot of curves, a lot of emotional ups and downs. But the end of the day, he got his man. I look at this. And I know there was Clowney back in the day for South Carolina. I look. I, I know there was Lattimore. Those were turning points in the Spurrier era. I go back to Sweeney. He always cited getting C.J. Spiller as a turning point. Mm-hmm. This might be the turning point for this program because, as they like to say, great players like to play with great players. And there's no doubt, and, and Beamer made the comment, that his phone was blowing up with text messages from 24 recruits uh, after getting this commitment from well, a guy like this. 
Well, and because of that, Phil, and, and the December signing period, I think, has taken a lot of steam out of February for sure. And obviously, when you have a program like Clemson, who doesn't sign anybody today, that shows you how important December is. But how big a deal, though, do you think it is that South Carolina gets a signee like this you know, on a limited day now that February is not as important, it doesn't appear, as December, to be able to carry them some momentum and also maybe put them in the spotlight where this would have been a huge signing normally, but it would have been gobbled up among all the other big signees of the day. But now today, this one pretty much seems to stand on its own. How big a deal do you think that is for South Carolina from a recruiting perspective? Huge. Huge. Like I'm saying, a lot of people were mm-hmm. watching, and there weren't many big name. You had one go to Arizona, the quarterback, remember, who broke the deal with Florida. He ended up at Arizona right. State, and you had Colorado got a big timer. There were a handful of big timers, uh, but this was one of the national elites. And uh, to have him pretty much all to your own mid-afternoon, 1 o'clock, and see him, if you're Beamer and company, you know, see him put on the Gamecock hat on ESPN2 and have the people there in that gym applaud him. That was big. That was big for the program. Uh, let's and go I back to believe, yeah. And I cannot believe that Beamer was able to go back to sleep after he got that text message at 2 o'clock in the morning and it said it didn't sound good. Knowing how these coaches are and how much they worry about every little detail, I, I give him props if he was legitimately able to go back to sleep worrying about the fact that he may have lost a, a, a huge get for his program. Mm-hmm. Well, he thought it was a nightmare, like he said. Yeah. You know, and, and he was trying to you know sleep it <laughs> off, I guess. Okay, back to the phones. 888-898-2525 uh, is the phone number. And we still have – we want to give him a chance to uh, – to wrap up because we had to hit that hard break. And so we were talking to uh, Kevin. Hopefully he's out of that traffic jam up in Greenville. Kevin, back at you for a couple more moments. Go ahead. Hey, I am out that traffic jam. Just hope nobody got hurt. There was a few overturned vehicles. Oh, no. Hey, but that's what kind of things will happen when you hear that Nicholas Harbor is coming to South Carolina. These people must have been in shock while they were driving their cars and just <laughs> lost all control. Because, I mean, we're, we're, we're that excited about having this guy. Yeah. You know, uh, I think a lot of it goes to beating Tennessee – beating Clemson, and showing up against Notre Dame. I was at that game in Jacksonville. Um, The crowd was rocking. I mean, I had friends that watched it on TV and said it felt like a home game in Williams-Brice Stadium. So definitely huge. Christmas came early this year for Gamecock fans. Uh, We're going to support him. And, you know, let's not forget Cam Pringle. Uh, that's another huge signing for us, the number one offensive tackle in the rotation. I think, you know, that might have had some bearing on it as well. Uh, we just got a lot of good talent that came in with Shane Beamer. And you know what? I'm going to be the first to admit, last year I was one of the people that questioned the hiring, right? Uh, why are we hiring a guy that had no head coach experience? Man, how quickly have we forgotten about that? You know, uh, definitely moving in the right direction, uh, full support, going to pack the stands out this year, got a monster schedule, and we're going to play the best football we've played in the last decade this coming season. I just hate Nicholas Harbor doesn't play basketball and baseball as well. Yeah. Uh, this guy could be a, be an all-around year guy for us. So thanks for taking my call. You guys have a great show. Give me a lot to think about other than what's going on in the weird world today. So definitely nice to, to plug into you guys on weeknights and, and get a refreshing view of something else other than what the daily news brings us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the phone call. really appreciate that. And the other thing he's going to do, of course, is – is elevate 
the track program nationally. I mean, he's going to bring in people from all over the country uh, to uh, watch him. He's going to run in all kind of important track meets wearing the Gamecock colors, and uh, that's going to be extra special for Curtis Fry. Curtis Fry said he's 71 years old, and you know he's a championship-level coach. He's 71 mm-hmm. years old. Uh, he says people talked to him about retiring, and he's like, you know what? I've got a generational sprinter in my program now. He says, I'm not retiring while this guy is here. He says, this is a, I can't blame him. Yeah, this is a once, not a once in a lifetime because the, uh, Kevin mentioned, I forgot this guy, Terrence, Tr- uh, Terrence Trammell, who was a yep. great player, a great track, track star at South Carolina. Um, but I don't know that he's in this, this category. Um, you know, he, uh, I don't know much about track. It was fascinating listening to Coach Fry break it down from a technical standpoint, from a track standpoint. Now, I don't know if this is fact or he was just talking off his head, but he said, like, in the 100 meters, I guess he was talking about, he said Harbor runs 23 miles an hour and everybody else runs 22 miles an hour. He said "That's huge." Harbor uses 57 strides to cover the distance. Everybody else needs 61 strides because um, he's so tall. He's 6'5", 6'6". and any Pat runs. I've exactly. seen Pat. Pat, Pat runs like Pat a gazelle. Runs. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, I, and I've you know he talked about other things, other aspects about power and mm-hmm. weight and all this kind of stuff that goes into to track stuff that I didn't even think about. So that's going to be interesting to watch him bring all that attention to the Gamecock track program as well. Um, but first and foremost, the fo- the fans want to see him on that football field making catches, breaking tackles, and taking it taking it to the house. All right, let's go to. Uh, 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, by the way. Since 2002, more than 2.1 million lottery-funded scholarships, such as Life Hope and Palmetto Fellow Scholarships, have been awarded to South Carolina students. Learn more about the South Carolina Education Lottery's impact at seducationlottery.com slash education. Wins playing for fun is a win for education. We go to, no doubt, a happy man tonight, Gamecock Larry. Over in Swansea, I imagine, I don't know, this probably takes a um, a few years. Well, I mean, in, in a negative way, when you say takes a few years off your life, that means you were worried about things. But i got to believe this adds a few years for you there, Larry, as your excitement level for Gamecock football must have gone up quite a bit today. Yes, sir. i tell you, my blood sugar been running all kind of crazy ways for the last couple of days. Mm. And, and I, yesterday, the last night, I kept talking to my uh, uh, research game kind research committee chief, and he kind of had me kind of worried. At about eleven o'clock, I just finally turned over and went to sleep. But this morning, about three thirty, I don't know what happened. I just woke up and I got up. And I went in there and got my book out. And I wrote, February 1st, 3.30, he's going to be a game cop. You ain't going to believe me, Phil, but I, if I could have called you at 3.30 this morning, I'd have called you. Mm. I just had a feeling. And I listened to all of them. They kept saying, uh, well, he's going to Oregon. He's going to Oregon. And old, that old, I don't know, I forgot his name. Anyway, he said, yeah, he's going to Oregon. And so, but I knew better. 
But I'm, my blood pressure's running straight, and I'm a blood sugar's all right. <laughs> but I'll tell you, we got the attention of the, of the uh, I would say the nation. All them big colleges. Man, we won against all of them. Because the ones that he wasn't on the list, on his top five list, whatever you call it, everybody else wanted him. Everybody wanted him. Oh, yeah. And guess what? Little old game cop, South Carolina, got him. Beam of ball is on the way. Uh, go game cops, and I'll tell you what. We're going to be in the final four in 2024. Go game cops. All right, Larry. They're doing some good stuff with that medicine over there, I tell you. <laughs> you know, as Larry was talking, I was thinking, what a – what a defensive nightmare this could be. A guy this tall who you can put in the slot or even put out wide. So you're going to put a what? A 6'1", a 6'0", a 5'11", maybe tops, a 6'2", corner on him? I mean, or are you going to bring down a safe? You can't put a linebacker on him, of course. No, he can't run with him. Then again, what you probably you might find a corner who can run with him, maybe not too many safeties. But can you imagine him? You know, running a, a post pattern and getting inside position and just just getting by the guy and opening up a couple of feet on him and Rattler putting the ball right on the money. How many big plays you can expect down the field with that long frame? Do you know how much Rattler can overthrow him and he should be able to go and get the ball <laughs> with that frame? You know who has to be the happiest person aside from Gamecock Larry? And, and by the way, Larry, if you want to call Phil at 3.30 in the morning, he's awake. So you could have called him. Most nights I am. Night about that. Last yeah, night I was therapy. down. I was down <laughs> for the therapy. night. But the happiest person has to be Juice Wells, right? Because now what are you going to do? You're going to double-team me? That's fine. Deal with Harbor on your own. You're going to double-team him? All right. Then how are you going to handle me? Mm -hmm. the, the passing game for South Carolina, and Dowell Loggins has got to think he's falling out, you know, falling into heaven here. I mean, the passing game for the Gamecocks should be outstanding. If they can find any semblance of a run game just to get some balance, that offense should be terrific next year. Yeah. I got to believe a guy like Lavoisier Carroll has got to be a pretty good running back. He, didn't ha he hasn't had much of a chance, but I got to think, you know, that room is pretty open right now, <clears throat> and I got to think this spring is his opportunity to show what he's got. He's either got it at this level or he doesn't. If he doesn't right. make it happen this spring with the opportunity he'll have, then he just doesn't have it. But I would, you know, his recruiting was pretty heavily, and uh, they liked him coming out of high school. He was good enough to go to Georgia. They moved him to DB, and um, South Carolina took him off the portal as a running back. Let's see what he's got this spring. Maybe he can help in that in that running uh, in that running backs room. All right, let's go to the break, and we'll come back with more calls on the other side. Uh, phone number is triple eight eight nine eight two five two five. South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number for you here on the Sports Talk. As we go to the break, I want to remind you that you got summer vacation coming up. Maybe you want to get away someplace this spring. Head down to Pauley's Island. Head down to the beach. Garden City. Points like that. Give Jimmy Smith a call at Pauley'sVacationRentals.com. James Smith Realty. Pauley'sVacationRentals.com. The phone number is 843-237-4246. Give Jimmy a call. Let him take good care of you, 843-237-4246. Think big, life-changing. I'm talking education, inventive, next-level education. Wake up. 
for 20 years, education has received billions in funding. Where, you ask? <laughs> right here, across our state, in your own backyard. Who has done this? Well, if you've ever played the lottery, that would be you. Thank you. The South Carolina Education Lottery. When you play, we all win. Score a touchdown with Founders Federal Credit Union. With services like Founders Online and the Founders app, you'll enjoy all the perks of a big bank with local personalized service. Not a member? Joining Founders Federal Credit Union is easy. Visit relaxjoinfounders.com or one of our 37 convenient locations to see if you qualify for membership. Relax with Founders. Terms and conditions apply. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. George Bryant here with Tsunami Bar Sports, and wow, Tsunami Robbie, there is now an amazing technology that you can use when you train, receiving large gain without having to endure pain. Please explain. George, that is the magic combination. I have three simple words to define that entire concept. Stimulation, not annihilation. Regardless of your training goals, there is a level of stimulation that is optimal for your desired gains. Tsunami Bar's flexible bar technology meets these demands because the user determines the level of stimulation with the amount of speed and force they impart into the bar or training device. Hey, this is Phil Kornblut. The Tsunami Bar is a terrific training device whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game. It's convenient, it's easy to use, and you won't feel beat up afterwards. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today. We're back, Sports Talk, here on the Sports Talk Media Network. 888-898-2525 is our phone number. Let's go to, is it Hank in Columbia next? Hank, welcome into Sports Talk. Good to have you with us. How are you? I'm doing fine, Corn. Um, a couple of things, Corn. Terrence uh, Trammell, now, he was that type of guy. Yeah, remember remember Terrence Trammell has two or three medals from the Olympics. He, he ran in multiple Olympics. Okay. So he was, he is that type of guy. Was he that type of guy coming in though? Was he, or was he oh, developed yeah, no, he was, by he Curtis Fry once he, no, was he well, developed no, he was, once he, was, he got here? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was definitely, yeah. Fry was putting out, he had a number of Olympians uh, actually on the girl side and the guy side during that time that they were coming through. Yeah. Fry is one of the best. And I bet you all were learning a lot about track just listening to him. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Listen to him starting to break things down technically. I was amazed at the – and, I mean, you know, you're amazed because you don't hear this kind of talk every day. I'm sure he sits around his office talking to other track people, and this is common language for them. But he's talking about things that I'd never even thought about when looking at a sprinter. As I was talking to Smitty, you know, Smitty looks like a great sprinter. Have you ever seen Smitty? Right, Chris? He looks like a great sprinter. He's 135 pounds soaking wet. And we're like, you know, sprinters, you just stand at the line. When they say go, you take (laughs) off and you run. And the fastest one wins. But there's a whole lot of science and uh, methodology involved in that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As I told you before, there's a lot of 
there's a lot more to track than what people think. They just they kind of see the finished products when they show up to track me. Uh, but you know, one uh, one thing also, um, you know, I think harbors like one of the things we missed the last couple of years was having a bigger receiver that you could just wall up and throw it to at times and see if you could run away from somebody. And he he will provide that for the guy that was sitting there wondering about him. He just, you know, you think about some of the, the guys, um, uh, Calvin Johnson, some of these other guys that are in the league now um, that are huge. The guy that plays for, uh, I think I want to say Seattle, um, the big guy there that came from Ole Miss. Uh, so, no, we were just talking about him. Pat was just talking about him. That, that's yeah. Metcalf, right? You were just talking about Metcalf, him. Yeah, I was Hank, making that. Yeah, Hank, and that, if you were yeah. making the comparison there, I mean, that's uh, great minds think alike. I mean, they are both eerily similar size. Met, Metcalf's 6'4", 235, and Harbor mm-hmm. is 6'5", 225. Uh, DK Metcalf, a lot of people may not remember, he was a track star coming he, out of high school, didn't really do yeah, it Yeah, he, he wasn't a receiver also. The guy right. who was talking earlier, he wasn't a receiver when he came out of high school. He just came out as a track guy. They taught right. him how to catch. That's exactly right. Now <laughs> so, look what he's doing in the NFL. And, and he also, uh, just a couple years ago, was trying to compete for the 100 meters for USA in yep. the Olympics. He went to the trial. Yep. Yeah, yeah, we went, yeah, I remember he went to the trial. Um, so... That's that. And I, but, Corn, I wanted to say something about the basketball. Uh, uh, y'all were mentioning that earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adema, like uh, Chris said, was going to be that point guard. And so, basically, you, when you look at Misha Johnson, he's a two-guard playing point guard because um, of the lack of personnel on the team. So, it's not going to get better. It, well, people don't, a lot of people don't remember Misha Johnson's an underclassman. He can still come back next year. Mm-hmm. So he's not going to be gone anywhere. But he's really a two-guard playing point guard. So you have those problems with the turnovers. And I hate his kind of YOLO shooting from the, the, sometimes. But it's just what it is. And the reason that they don't throw the ball down low, Corn, I know you've attended many of those games. Um, Gray has gotten better in the last so many weeks. But Verdant, that was starting in the center, he never looks at the basket. Whenever he gets it down low, he kind of looks to throw it back out to somebody. He's only in the last two games even looked at the basket. So you can't continue to throw it down in there for people who don't have in their mindset to take the shot. So I think that's why they've been playing this kind of four out, five out. And I think Paris is just uh, piecing together what he can piece together for this year to be competitive until he can get the right guys in. Because as Mike Morgan said on an earlier show, if you took those two guys, if you took those guys out, who are you going to put in from the bench that's going to be better? True. That's true. That's right. I mean, and we've talked about that before. I mean, they're trying to get through this season with the players that he's got and, and do the best that he can and try and get that culture started, uh, culture of um, whatever it is he likes to have in his culture, effort, determination, mm-hmm. dedication, however he wants to word it, and yeah. let that manifest itself. And um, basically, uh, you're right. Uh, Michi will be back. Who knows if Gigi Jackson will be back? Um, yeah, he won't be. I think he'll be gone. <laughs> there, there's, you know, there's going to be some others who'll probably leave. Um, yeah, he's got to obviously go out and recruit and and bring in well, and he's got, talented he's, he's players. Got some, yeah, he's got some guys, corn. That he, you know, he's, he's got to recruit some more guys. But I like the the, the guy uh, that was at Florida, that's out west. Um, that he signed Boyles because that guy, if you look, he's playing national teams and putting up a good bit of points, um, good bit of toughness, a big guy. And so I think he's just got to continue to add and build 
the right way. But I think people that are looking at it, I don't think it's a lack of effort. I just think they just don't have the talent. The one, the one little. Well, part there's that a little me, bit of lack of effort out there. Well, there's well, a little bit of time going, to time. I don't yeah, think they get the yeah, consistent hard it. effort all the time. You can't tell me G.G. Jackson can't get you one rebound in a game. Is that effort? Well, he's not well, standing. Think, well, is he standing outside? Now, listen, I didn't yeah, get there I, until about three minutes, four minutes ago. So I, I missed, yeah, you know, ninety eight percent of the game. game. Now, if you, I watched the game last night, Corn. One of the things with him last night was when he, he started turning it over so quickly against them. Because remember, Mississippi State, for as bad as they are, is mm-hmm. one of the better defenses. True. When he started turning it over so quick, they sat him down. He didn't play as many minutes last night as he's played in the last three or four games. So he wasn't really out there mm-hmm. for long stretches of the game because Mississippi State, the way they play defense, they were getting into him and getting into Michi, which is that's the one thing they, they do well. They are very good. Very good defense. Very good at turning you over. Hank, we got to turn you over. Thank you, man. Appreciate it very much. Great hearing from you. Uh, I just got a text message from Mr. Harbor. They, he apologized. They've had a conflict. They've got, they've got to go to – his son has a yearbook photo session beginning at 7 o'clock tonight. He was not re- aware, so he wants to reschedule. So nice. going to try and reschedule for tomorrow night. So hoping to get it done tonight. But, hey, you can't interfere with a, a yearbook photo session uh, tonight. I'm not, I'm not trying to tell the yearbook staff how to do their job, but you had him there in front of a huge audience on National Signing Day. Why wouldn't you have taken all the pictures you could have possibly wanted then? Good question. I mean, this is like your senior picture, right? You're going to be dressed up in a coat and tie and all that kind of stuff. So, sure, I'm sure that's probably what they have going on. That's okay. We'll give them tomorrow night if all works out. We'll try to arrange them for 7:30 tomorrow night after Mike Morgan. That means in our next hour, we'll bring you what Beamer had to say and what Sweeney had to say and what Riley had to say, and we'll touch on some of these other signing classes from around the state. I've been compiling them here. Of course, oh, we'll hear from Tim Beck. Tim Beck, the Coastal Carolina coach. We'll hear from him as well. So the entire next hour dedicated to uh, what happened today around the state on a National Signing Day number 2. Uh, and, Chris, you are headed off to dinner. Uh, actually, I'm going to hang around a little bit longer. Okay. The uh, team's still practicing, so as as long as I hear ba- uh, balls bouncing on the court, I'll hang around. But I'm not missing uh, <laughs> Louisiana food. I can promise you that. You guys are great, but not that great. I, I don't blame <laughs> you, man. I don't blame you. There's a place in uh, New Orleans that we went to when we were down there for uh, the, the championship called uh, – the Louisiana Purchase, I think, was the name of the restaurant. Ah, I like it. Just like good it. old Louisiana country country food. Oh, it was outstanding. Outstanding. If you've never been out here, folks, they, they're not lying. The food out here is as good as you have heard. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll hit the break and come back with a full hour in just a moment. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Okay, got to move quickly here in hour number two. We begin by saying hello to everybody and goodbye to Chris. Yeah, uh, it sounds like the dinner bell starting to ring down there on the basketball ding, floor. Ding, 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 like ding, I said, I'd hate, I'd hate to miss a good meal here in Louisiana. I don't get this. And so I will bid you adieu and talk back to you guys again tomorrow night here from Louisiana Monroe.
five and a half hours up to uh, Jonesboro, Arkansas for Arkansas State on Saturday. Nothing like a good old-fashioned Sunbelt basketball trip. <laughs> Isn't it great? I will say this has been a fun road trip, though, as I mentioned. Very rare you see a professional wrestler that Cliff Ellis actually recruited on, on your flight. It's, it's awfully, awfully rare. So that was fun yesterday. And should be a good basketball game here tomorrow. Coastal's got to find a way to get off the uh, snide a little bit. So important game Absolutely. for sure for them. We'll talk to you in advance. So good. Thank you very I much. Look forward to it, guys. Okay, buddy. Good Thank night, you. Have a good night. Enjoy that meal. Chris Bergen from down there in Monroe, Louisiana. Okay, back to uh, matters here. And we begin with South Carolina coach Shane Beamer. He met with the media this afternoon, a little after 2 o'clock. Want to wait and make sure the Nick Harbor situation was in the books, which it was. And so here is uh, some, not all, some of what Shane Beamer had to say to the media this afternoon. Absolutely fantastic day in, in uh, Columbia uh, for a lot of reasons, obviously. Excited about the two young men that signed today, uh, Nick Harbour and, and uh, Elijah Caldwell, both two great players and, and uh, really excited about uh, those two guys to go along with the group that signed in December, you know, that we uh, – we, we, we we are really excited, obviously, about this group that we just put together, and it was already a pretty special uh, signing class before today. And then to be able to uh, add to it today with two great players and two great young men as well, we certainly got better as a football program as well and 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 just continues to generate more and more excitement and more and more <clears throat> excuse me energy about this program, the number of text messages I have on my phone right now from 2024 recruits that are texting me with excitement over the news today uh, tells you everything uh, you need to know. So couldn't be more fired up about uh, those two guys. I know you guys will have questions about both of them and we'll, we'll talk about them certainly in regards to, uh, to Nicholas Harbor. Want to thank Coach Fry and, and Coach Brown and our track program. Obviously that Nick was not choosing a school unless he had a uh, a track program and a football program at an and an academic institution that could allow him the opportunity to accomplish all of his goals and he certainly feels that way about us and and huge thanks goes to a lot of people but especially you know our track program and and what they're about as well so a lot of great going on in our program right now uh, in so many ways our football team the way they're working this off season it's as much as I enjoy being on the road recruiting which I have been the whole month of January it's uh I'm glad it's a dead period here now where we can really jump into uh, our current team and our players the way they've been working in the weight room and they're excited and, and they're hungry uh, as well uh, moving forward off season workouts are off to a great start academics are off to a great start and camp couldn't be more excited about spring practice starting up here in about uh, a month and a half or so so with that any questions Shane obviously looking at Nicholas he plays all over the field in high school where do you guys project him onto the field once he gets here um yeah he's a guy shoot when we first started recruiting him uh, Sterling Lucas was heavily involved with him because we saw him as a defensive end pass rusher and then as it went more and more down Jody got involved with him because we saw him as a tight end and and I think my conversations with Nick as recently as yesterday afternoon it was more that wide receiver world you know not that he wouldn't be doing some tight end type things but um, you know he's a an elite athlete and he doesn't need to be 
Uh, with a, he doesn't need to have his hand in the ground blocking defensive ends 50% of the time. I mean, we need him out in space running routes and catching the football. So there'll certainly be some tight end elements that will uh, – or tight end aspects that he'll you know take advantage of and utilize. But we see him more in space, on the perimeter, uh, more in a receiver type role. And he does too. Shane, can you just kind of take me through the emotions <laughs> of what today was like and when you see Nick put the hat on and announce and sign and do all that, what were the emotions like after what was probably a whirlwind hours? Yeah, that, the last 24 hours, really the last 12 have taken hours off, years off my life, I, I think, to be honest with you, Colin. Um, um, you know, first of all, there's a lot that we – I shouldn't say overcome, but there was a lot going on here with his situation and the schools that were recruiting him and, and the, the opportunities that those other programs uh, presented on and off the field, the track, whatever it may be. Uh, so there was a lot to, that we, we were in a battle. And next door up in the team meeting room, we have our core values up there and compete is one of them. And we competed our butts off with this one and uh, like ever like everyone that we recruit emotion wise I've I felt good about Nick all along I really did uh had an amazing home visit with him last week up in DC that we didn't walk out of there till after 11 o'clock at night uh when we visited with he and his family last week felt really really good I mean he hadn't told me he was coming but I felt great about where we stood all weekend I talked to him multiple times on FaceTime uh, Monday and yesterday. Went to bed last night feeling good. I got a message from him, an audio message or whatnot, at 2.57 a.m. today um, that wasn't good. And obviously didn't sleep after that uh, as well, laying in bed, trying to figure out what's going on and whatnot. And then this morning has been just a uh, range of emotions back and forth, trying to answer some questions. And, and I think for Nick, it was real. I don't want to speak for him, but I think he all along felt most comfortable here and wanted to be here. It was just, um, you know, a lot of people that in his network that, that they were, he was trying to get, everybody was trying to get on the same page and there was a lot coming at him too as a, as a young man as well. So the emotions for me were certainly a whirlwind today, back and forth, good and bad. Uh, but, uh, see him put that hat on was a, I'll be honest with you, a pretty emotional moment for me. Justin King asked me if I needed some privacy before he wanted to film me. And I told him for one time, I told him no, but in true Justin fashion, he was lurking outside my office and then came in there as soon as he announced uh, as well. But I think it's just the emotion, not just of that column, but of all the, I mean, I met Nick Harbor when I was coaching at Oklahoma and I went into his high school when he was a freshman in high school. And I've known him since then, know the family and just knowing what he's about and all the effort that you put into, you know, recruiting somebody. It's a it's it can be a, a brutal business from a recruiting standpoint. Great when you get guys gut wrenching when you don't get somebody that you put a lot of effort into. But there was a lot of emotions. But I also knew that no matter what Nick had chosen today. I knew that we had done absolutely everything, you know, from our standpoint, from a work ethic standpoint to get him. Could you elaborate a little bit on just what landing a five-star does to the perception of your signing class and to what you are building here? Because, I mean, over the last few days, um, I just had a lot of people, I heard a lot of people talking about 
Nicholas yeah. Harper. So, yeah. you know, the fan base is like. Yeah. No, it's uh, extremely impactful, uh, particularly, you know, when it's a, a national guy that announces on national television today like, like Nick did. It's, it's, uh, it resonates not just here in South Carolina but across the country. People are talking about this. And like I said a minute ago about the number of 2024 recruits that are reaching out to me right now, uh, seeing just on looking at Twitter, the, the amount of people nationally, you know, people that aren't even don't even talk about that cover recruiting, just sports writers in the national media talking about South Carolina football right now. Um, it's it's great positive or great publicity so much positivity and energy about out there about South Carolina football right now and then you're right I mean I've got a ton of text messages from recruits but then just a ton of text messages from family friends you know whoever uh as well about it uh so it's it's I don't think you can put it into put it into words to it just tap it caps off what was already an elite signing class in my mind with the group of young men that we've already brought into the program that signed in December like so many of these kids, uh, Nick's relationship with his mother very close, and that uh, uh, moms carry a lot of weight. Your relationship with the parents from talking to them, um, the dad, they seem very high on you. How did you develop that? In fact, he mentioned uh, Boomer several <laughs> times, how the mom loves your dog. And, um, how <laughs> yeah, did my you kids, that I'm, I'm trying to yet? figure out how to break it to my own children that Boomer's about to move to Maryland to go live with Nick's mom as well. That, that was... That was part of the deal. So that'll be a conversation tonight at dinner, I guess, with my family. Um, I don't know. I don't want to, like, pat myself on the back and say just by being myself. But the word that comes up all the time here with our staff, and I've said it before and here probably, is just genuine. And that's what we were. And uh, like I said, I I started recruiting Nick when I was at Oklahoma, but didn't really get to know um, his family until I came to South Carolina. But they're they're awesome people as well. Uh, Dad was a great uh, soccer player as well, and just a, a unique family with just an awesome background. And and that's what you love about recruiting. One of the things I love about recruiting is there's a lot of things, but one when you deal with families like the Harbors, I mean they they they're about the right stuff, and they're fun to be around. And we had a awesome official visit other than the way we played that day when he was here but we had an awesome official visit weekend with them and the dad's just fun to be around the mom is fantastic and they're the same people throughout the process and um and yes mom does love boomer when he was here on his official visit they came to my house on um friday afternoon and uh had lunch and spent a couple of hours over there at the house and my mom or my mom his mom and my dog boomer really bonded uh at lunch and that was the first thing like I literally I walked into the home visit last week in DC and the first thing out of his mom first words out of his mom's mouth were where's boomer not hi coach not welcome to DC not so glad you're here where's boomer so that kind of told me how I ranked on her pecking order but it was enough for us to get him (laughs) there's no sense dancing around this I mean as this thing was playing out there was a lot of stuff around the country about money being thrown left and right and this offer and kind of a bidding war going on for Nick Harbour and obviously when one side loses they think the other side bought him and, and vice versa so how do you address people out there fans out there who 
uh, want to say, you know, it, with players of this level, that now it's a it's a bidding war for these guys, and the highest bidder uh, ends up winning. Even though his his dad said, you know, there was no price on his son, and money was not a was right. not an issue here when it came down to the end. Yeah, no, you're you're right. I mean, there's frankly there's recruits out there that it does turn into a bidding war in a lot of ways. I won't dodge that. Uh, that wasn't the situation in this one, and I know the losing side. It's kind of time tested or time universal that that's what everyone says, but that never came up in my conversations with Nick at any point. Now, let's be real. This is an elite athlete that you know could wants to be a doctor one day as well. I mean, this kid, this, this young man's got a lot of opportunities in front of him. And there's certainly things that, you know, we discussed as far as how South Carolina can help him reach his potential in every area as well. But nothing that, you know, when, when, when I go home and I see my wife and children tonight and I look myself in the mirror, I'm 100% proud of our character here in this program and how we did things as well. And that'll never change. All right, Shane Beamer. Comments today, all of his comments, the whole thing's up on the website, sportstalksc.com. We're going to hit the break and come back with more recruiting news for you. Little Tim Beck from Coastal Carolina. And then we'll hear from Dabo Sweeney and also from his new offensive coordinator over there at Clemson, Coach Riley. Have that for you coming up in the last uh, half hour of Sports Talk as we continue this National Signing Day number two of 2023. Back in a moment. Hi, this is Billy Downer from the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources. Are you looking for a safe place to shoot your rifle or handgun? Did you know that the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources operates four manned ranges across the state in Pickens County, Spartanburg County, Richland County, and Charleston County? For more information on our public ranges, visit dnr.sc.gov backslash shooting. Hi, I'm Jim Corbett. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years. There's one thing I've learned about injury cases. It's you need the personal touch. You need the lawyer to get to know you and describe your damages. You don't want a case manager talking to an insurance company and then talking to you and then talking to maybe to a lawyer with limited experience at the last minute to try to settle a case. I talk to you. I find out what your case is about. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com for your injury cases. All right, give you the recruiting report from today and then some uh, Tim Beck as we bring you the recruiting report. For those of you watching us on the stream, you're going to see a little Nick Harper, uh, Nick Harbor, Nick Harbor in action, both as a sprinter and as a football player. And the recruiting report, of course, brought to you by Seawells. Don't forget the daily luncheon buffet at Seawells for you every day, Monday through Friday, 11 to 2. It's only $13. It is a great, great deal. It's better than any NIL deal that you can get. This is this is an EAT deal, an EAT deal, only 13 bucks. And for the best in the catering business, make sure you give Seawells a call. You got something coming up. You need somebody to take care of it for you. Seawells at 803-771-7385 online at SeawellsCateringSC.com. So catch up on a couple things. Um Xavier Hardy, longtime USC commitment, 
signed with East Mississippi Junior College. He had committed to USC last August. He stuck with that commitment, uh, through, though his academic situation prevented him from signing in December as well as today. He posted last night he eventually plans to get to Columbia, but he's got to go the junior college route first. USC Today uh, did sign receiver Elijah Caldwell of Northwestern. Clemson's in the final seven with receiver Alex Taylor of Greensboro, North Carolina. He was there for the junior day last weekend. NC State, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, Tennessee, Penn State, and Cincinnati also on the list. Also, I've seen some talk that uh, Walker White, quarterback out of Arkansas, Clemson is after, after visiting Clemson this past weekend, might be ready to announce on Friday. Haven't seen anything from him about that. So, something to keep an eye on. Aiken receiver Braylon Staley was offered by Tennessee. Tennessee offered 2025 defensive tackle Amir Adams of Lake City. Clemson target linebacker Sammy Brown was offered by Florida State. Now, taking a look at some of the other signing classes for Coastal Carolina, we're going to hear from Coach Beck in a moment. So, they signed out of Miami running back Javin Simpkins. From West Florence, wide receiver Bryson Graves. From Cocoa, Florida, quarterback Blake Boda. He's 6'4", 175. From Niceville, Florida, offensive lineman Joseph Hansen, 6'5", 290. From Loganville, Georgia, offensive lineman Marlon Corey III, 6'5", 285. From Germany, Faraj Tatikpanil, 6'4", 300. To Tick Pina from Germany, 64300. From McDonough, Georgia, defensive back legend Doggett. And he is out of Western Iowa Western Community College. Okay. And then center Evan Jumper out of Myrtle Beach, 64280. He's transferring from Furman. Kendall Carr, 63250, tight end who is transferring from North Carolina. Abraham Timoni III, a cornerback out of Sumter High School, transferring from Erskine. Kane Barong, 6'4", 245 tight end out of Hartwell, Georgia, transferring from Notre Dame. Bryson Summers, 6'5", 310 offensive lineman, transferring from Sierra College. Defensive end edge, 6'3", 260, Carlos Hatcher, a transfer from Tulane. Michael Mason, 6'3", 270, defensive lineman from South Florence, a transfer from Wofford. And we've got, for Coastal Carolina, Clinton Anakwuru, defensive lineman out of Richmond, Texas, played at Kansas, played at Louisiana, and played at Independence Junior College, 6'4", 260. Will Whitson, 6'5", 270, defensive lineman out of Cincinnati from Independence Junior College. Trelon Slade, 6'2", 180, defensive back from Powdersville out of Fork Union <clears throat> Fork Union Academy. Nathan Thompson, 6'5", 325, offensive lineman from Conway. Scott Saylor, 6'1", 195, quarterback out of Carolina Forest. Michael Cagoni, 6'3", 285, offensive lineman from Hopewell Junction, New York. Wyatt Gideon, 6'1", 235, linebacker, Avon Lake, Ohio. Spencer Kishbaugh, 6'3", 210, linebacker, Berwick, Pennsylvania, 
Derek Maxey III, 5'11", defensive back from Atlanta. Dayro Melendez Jr., defensive lineman from Miami. Matt <laughs> Matt Sishiat Sishita <laughs> You can do it. Good luck. Matt Sishitano. Six four two A defensive lineman, Mount Carmel, Pennsylvania. Lawrence Sullivan Jr., 5'10, 185 defensive back out of East Mississippi Junior College. And that is it. Here's a few comments from Coastal Carolina coach Tim Beck and uh, let him talk for a few minutes about the class. Good-looking class, a lot of players, a lot of different places. Here's the coach. I want to thank the staff. Got a bunch of guys coming in here and hitting the road. And, man, it's, it's, it was crazy, <laughs> to say the least. It, this uh, recruiting has really become different now with transfer portals and mid-semester guys. You have – Spring one, spring two, you have high school guys, you have walk-on guys. Um, it, it's been really, really um, fluid. It changes constantly. And again, through our recruiting staff and our coaching staff, just being able to adjust and adapt, uh, my hat goes off to them. I mean, I really do appreciate them. And this is a, a tribute and a, and a cultivation of all their hard work and the time that they put in together to be able to do this. I love our class. Um, I think we signed 13 guys, if that's correct. Let me see if I can get, get my notes here. Yeah, we signed 12 guys offensively and 13 defensively currently right now. 10 of those 25 guys are currently here, already enrolled. And uh, so we signed another 15 guys. Uh, there are a few still out there at this point that still in recruiting battles with and or have not announced or won't announce until tonight or later in the week as that goes on. But really excited. we got a good mix of high school players. we got a good mix of local players. We've got a good mix of grad transfers, portal guys. And I think we had an opportunity to get and address a lot of the needs, create depth, some experience, everything uh, that you can ask for in one class in about a month time. So I'm very, very excited uh, about this class. So with that, I will take questions. By my count, and it's my math skills might not be the best. Looks like your top two positions by volume were O line and D line. Was that by choice, design, or just a positive good luck? Uh, I, a little bit of all, really. To be honest, I I felt like um, we needed to create some some depth and create some position uh, numbers at the bandit position. So, so in defensive end position, those positions took a hit with graduation and or portal guys. And so that was, that was kind of an area of need. Um, you could never have enough offensive linemen. Never. I think it's one of the areas that if you can get quality young men to be able to come in and help your program, you need to take them. Depth is always an issue. Um, and so I feel like we need to do that, you know, losing a couple of guys here and there along the offensive line, trying to replace uh, those needs was also something we needed to do. All right, Tim Beck, head football coach at uh, Coastal Carolina, getting his first full class in and doing what appears to be a pretty good job. I mean, he's got some high school guys, got some transfers, got some junior college guys. That's what happens in your first year when you come in December and you're behind from that standpoint. You just got to 
uh, piece together uh, who you can get, who you think's good enough to play for you, who you can win with, but also who wants to come and who fits certain needs. So that is Coach Beck. On the other side, we'll give you more of the uh, signing classes and also hear from Dabo Sweeney and Garrett Riley on this National Signing Night edition of Sports Talk back after this break. All right, stand by. We got Dabo Sweeney, Garrett Riley coming up, but uh, it's National Signing Day, so I want to give other schools they their due and mention their signees. We go to South Carolina State. Aaron Bowens, defensive back from Malden. Jeremy Brown, offensive lineman from Westside, 6'5", 285. Nicholas Brown, tight end from King Street, 6'3", 225. Malcolm Cochran, running back out of Richmond Academy, which I believe would be in Georgia. Amari Davis, defensive lineman out of Clover. Jordan Dollard, defensive lineman out of um, Guilford. That's Greensboro area. Casey Fields, running back from Buford High School. Oh, he's good. He is good. 5'11", 195. They could not stop him, as I recall, in the state championship game. Jordan Franklin, linebacker out of uh, Georgia, Burke County. Jawarn Howell. Mooresville, North Carolina, running back. Nigel Johnson, receiver out of Crestwood. Kanan Liggins, offensive lineman, Ridge Spring, Mineta. Jalen Linder, receiver out of Bluffton. Marcus Macon, Northwestern, 6'3", 285. Hunter Puckett, defensive lineman from Westside, 6'3", 230. Tyler Smith, running back out of Barnwell. He had a great year. Cedric Smith, defensive lineman, South Atlanta. Quan Tony. Defensive back from Lamar. And if he's from Lamar and he goes to state, he's going to be great. And that combination has worked very well over the uh, years. Early signees, Keyshawn Tony, tied in, transfer from USC. Oh, okay. So Keyshawn Tony, who went from USC to UTC, is now at South Carolina State out of Williston Elko. Malcolm McGee, defensive back, transfer from Alcorn State. And Aiden Weber, linebacker from Delaware State. Now, those are the early signees transfers to a South Carolina state. Okay, where are we going to go next? Um, Benedict signed Lucas Wynn, kicker, out of Powder Springs, Georgia. Curtis Smiley, a defensive lineman out of Goose Creek. Caden High, receiver out of Loganville, Georgia. Josh Barker, defensive lineman, Kennesaw, Georgia. Lavare Brown. Offensive lineman from Goose Creek. Ajay Brown, offensive lineman, Plant City, Florida. Aquantus Clemens, defensive lineman from Atlanta. Bryce Bowens, quarterback from Atlanta. Marcellus Livingston, transfer from Erskine, defensive lineman. Gerard Washington from Hocking College in Fredericksburg, Virginia, cornerback. Marcus Samuels from Westside. In Jacksonville, Florida, he's a cornerback. Antoine McCray from Westside in Jacksonville. He's a wide receiver. Achon Durant, terrific running back from McCormick. Tavirus, Tavarius Daniels from Franklin Pierce University. 
Kendall McCoy from Gardner-Webb transfers. Uh, Carvon Gurley from Iowa Western Junior College, offensive lineman. Oh, I should mention, didn't mention those positions. He's an offensive lineman. McCoy was a quarterback from Gardner-Webb transferring. Daniels was a safety from Franklin Pierce transferring. I think I said Durant is a running back. Okay, let's hit up. Uh, this is North Greenville. Timmy Castain. And this is going to be hard to read because they're all on their Twitter. And it's in very small print. So it looks like I'm just going to have to be able to do the names and positions. Defensive lineman Timmy Castain. Offensive lineman Adam Banashevitz. Defensive end Nick Maxey. Running back Nazikiel Mays. Linebacker Jaquin Williams. Wide receiver Jaquay Green. Wide receiver Aiden Brantley. Kicker Nate Spearman. Offensive lineman Ethan Lett. Offensive lineman Takavion Lanier. Quarterback Aiden Bird. Defensive back Justin Copeland. Now I think that's it for North Greenville at this point. And uh, let's see. We got time to do Newberry? Newberry. Wide receiver Jashon Copeland from Clinton. Tight end Desmond Mathis from Fort Dorchester. Defensive back Colby Small of Lancaster. Wide receiver Nathan Schusler, Carolina Forest. Wide receiver Jeffrey Jackson of South Aiken. Defensive tackle Amante McCray from Cross. Wide receiver Shaqual Good from Newberry. Sorry, the printing's very small. Offensive lineman Lawton Clamp from Traveler's Rest. Hang on a second here. I got messages in the way. We got cornerback Kareem Good from Emerald. All right, for Newberry, we've got uh, Keyshawn Brown, defensive back from Traveler's Rest. Also, quarterback Campbell McCurry from Somerville. Also for Newberry, defensive back Austin McGee from Greer. Offensive lineman James Mosley from Woodland. Cornerback Clarence Simmons of Woodland. Also, offensive lineman Cameron Newton from Lower Richland. Linebacker Ja'Cory Williams from Denmark Oler. Punter Jacob Lusk from Walhalla. Athlete A.J. Jackson from Mid-Carolina. Linebacker Grayson Goley from St. James High School. And that is what they have for Newbury. All right, let's go to Dabo Sweeney. Dabo Sweeney, Garrett Riley together. First time Riley has talked to the media. Here is Sweeney. Had no recruits to talk about. Then again, Riley, probably his biggest recruit since uh, the end of last recruiting campaign back in December. Here's Sweeney. Great fit for us. I think that he is you know, one of the bright offensive minds in the game. I think he's a great fit for Clemson. He's a great fit for uh, me. He's a great fit for our personnel. Uh, you know, it, it, philosophy-wise, we really match up. I mean, you know, we, we, we he's people sometimes he gets labeled as air raid because that's kind of his background but uh you know if you study him they've run the football 
uh, you know, sometimes when you think about air raid, you think about not running the ball. <laughs> and they, they had 1,400-plus yard rusher last year. and They've done a great job in, in running the ball. Um, but I have no doubt he's going he's gonna, to uh, make us better offensively. And, and uh, I think we can help him, you know, grow and, and, and continue to mature and get better as well as he navigates his career. So it's a great fit and a great opportunity and, again, great timing uh, to bring him on board. And uh, so, you know, with that, um, we'll uh, open it up and take some questions from you guys. Just wanted to get your thoughts on Cade and, and, and just, I know you recruited him out of high school, know what your thoughts now, what you've seen on him on tape, and what you can do maybe next year with him. Yeah, I think he's, I think he's is the full package. You know, I've known of Cade and known Cade for, for probably about three years now. Um, you know, recruited him while he was a young pup there at Austin Westlake and the great career he had at the high school level. But, yeah, I think, listen, he's he's very skilled. He's very talented. But I just think between the years, the way he carries himself, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that, you know, that's kind of the magic with Cade Klubnik, you know. And so I'm very eager and anxious to get to work with him. You know, we've just got off the road and hadn't been able to do a lot with him or see him too much. But I know... I know that kid's foaming at the mouth, just like the rest of our players. And, and trust me, we as coaches are ready to get going with them too. Here at Matt Conley with all three, I think he said this morning that this offense will be a lot different than the TCU offense, really somewhat different. Just how do you kind of leave in adapting to personnel and kind of doing what fits them? Yeah, to, to me, that's the whole deal. You know, I mean, listen, I'm not a coach that has a ton of pride in certain plays, and we're going to run this just because I love it. I mean, we're, we're going to figure out what our guys can do. and what we feel like is going to make us the best offense possible, okay, to, to position our team, you know, to win win games. And that, that's my job and that's our job. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be totally adaptive to, you know, what we have, what we can handle, and what we feel like is going to give us the best chance to win. That's it. Is your involvement in the offense going to be about the same as usual? Any changes there? Yeah, uh, I'm won't be any different it's been for 14 years uh you know i've been involved for 14 years and and not just offense defense special teams recruiting um uh, staffing uh there's not one area that i'm not involved in so um you know excited about a change and again this is my sixth offensive coordinator since i've been the head coach and uh look forward to you know again continuing to learn and continue to get better and and definitely add value you know where i can add value um and help where I know I can help. Yeah, you mentioned scoring, but were there other specific aspects of the offense? Yeah, just pass. We got to get better passing the ball. Period. Uh, you know, we got to be better. Uh, if we're better throwing the ball, we're going we're to. You know, I think I think we're we've got really great foundation from a run run standpoint. Uh, but we got to we got to get better throwing and catching. And uh, I think he's going to really help us there. And and we got to be better on pass defense too. So those are the two areas that we got to really improve this year. And if we do, we're going we'll like the results. Coach, watching your uh, your slideshow presentation this morning um, and talking about you know never wanting expectations to exceed your appreciation, I feel like a large part of the fan base needed kind of a realignment of, of that perspective. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I don't I don't pay attention to all that stuff, but you know it's there, right? And and you, and then especially when you got you know all kind of stuff coming at you from different sides, and I mean. We've won three national championships in 127 years. And uh, so, you know, some problems is we've won two and seven, so sometimes that can create a loss of perspective. And I think when you lose perspective, you lose your joy. 
And, uh, you know, I think that's what's made Clemson unique and special is this place has always had a lot of fun. And you guys that have been around here back in February of 11 when we signed that class and we had that signing day, you know, if I would have said to all of y'all coming off of six wins right there, hey, here's what's fixing to happen the next 12 years, Pete. I know we hadn't won 11 games in 31 years, but we're going to go do it eight times in 11 years. I know we hadn't won 10 games in 20 years, but we're fixing to do it 12 years in a row. I know we hadn't won a national championship since 1981, but we're going to go to six Final Fours. We're going to win two national championships and come with an onside kick and winning another one. And we're going to be we're going to win 12 straight postseason games, 12 years in a row. Nobody's ever done that in college football. Oh, and by the way, we're going to graduate 98% of our guys, and we're going to have 13 top 15 recruiting classes in a row. Y'all would have all looked at me like I was crazy. You know, and the Clemson man would say, hey, well, sign me up for that, all right? And it's not that we've been perfect every year, and we're never going to be perfect every year. But, man, we've had a lot of joy in the journey. And I think when you lose perspective of that and how hard it is, it's like, again, we won when we won the ACC championship up there at the, in Charlotte in 11, there were 5,000 people at the West End Zone. It was unbelievable. Couldn't even get off the bus. 5,000 people now, there ain't nobody there. Now they won't, now it ain't no big deal. And I don't think that's, I think that's sad. I get it. I spent 13 years at Alabama, I, I know. And I've, I've always, you know, wanted to make sure that I kept the right perspective, that I stay focused on my purpose, that this stays a purpose-driven program, that we don't lose focus on our why, that we don't ever lose joy in our journey. And because uh, that's part of my responsibility as I lead a group of people, a lot of people in these walls here. And uh, so, um, you know, it's been an incredible journey. And, you know, God doesn't give us that. Right. Like he doesn't just say, you know, hey, here you go. Here's the next 12 years. You know, you just put your head down and God just gives us just enough light to take that next step. Right. And we just kind of keep going, you know, a lamp unto your path, right? Just enough light so you don't stomp your toe going to the bathroom, right? So, you know, I, I mean, our program's never been better, ever. Uh, you know, we, we're, we're off to a better start this decade than we were last decade. But, again, sometimes you people can lose perspective. And... Uh, We've raised the bar here. We've changed the standard. We've changed the expectations, and I love that. Uh, and but as we strive to meet and exceed those expectations every single year, we got to keep the right perspective, and we got to have joy in the journey. You know, just because I mean, listen, things can happen, right? I mean, uh, you, 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 something can happen. You can be a great team, but maybe you don't win the national championship. That doesn't mean your team wasn't committed. That doesn't mean you have a lot of character. That doesn't mean you didn't, you know, I mean, it's, people work their butts off around here, and we all want to win every single game. But there is no, you know, triumph without some great failure or challenge or setback or whatever along the way, right? Uh, it's always a part of your journey, and it's all good. And, uh, man, you, you, you start over every year and you go to work, but, man, what's – What's happened in this program the last 12 years is it's it's historic, and it's and it's been done by a lot of people. I'm I'm I just all I've done is my part. That's all I've done. But man, these players, the staff, all the support staff that have come through this program for years, and what's going on here, it's I mean, 12 years of 10 plus wins. 
Alabama's had 15. The next longest streak is two. You know, and 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 for for us to, you know, act like we're a bunch of failures around here because we we only won 11 and won the league and we lost our rival in state for the first time in a decade. Uh, I just think that's a bad mentality, you know. And if you again, three national championships in 127 years, and we, we, Final Four, it's hard to get there. We'll, we're forever be the only team that's went to six Final Fours in a row. That ain't ever going to happen, right? Because <laughs> it's going to change next year. Um, and uh, so it's hard. It's really hard to win. Everybody's got good coaches. Everybody get, got good players. But the consistency that we've been able to have here on and off the field is it's incredibly rare. It's incredibly unique. And we focus so much on what we don't do and uh, instead of what we do do. And you, you learn, you get better, and you grow, you know, from each and every season. You make changes when you need to make changes. You, um, you keep learning, you know. And uh, so that has served us well. And, and uh, you know, hopefully, you know, moving forward, we can, you know, kind of, again, have a reset um, and, and not have a bunch of miserable people out there if we don't go 15-0. and 0. <laughs> Woo! Clemson fans, do you feel like your pants were just pulled down and you were had the little uh, the switch taken to you there a little bit? A little lecture? He's exactly right. Not just Clemson fans. I mean, all the fans of the spoiled programs. They don't make the national playoffs, then it's a rotten season. And that is a terrible way to look at it. But that is the system that you – well, I shouldn't say you, Sweeney. Um, but football has created coaches, athletic directors, whatever. I guess it's athletic directors and presidents. That's the system that's been created with the playoffs the way it is. Uh, the mindset becomes, especially the, the teams that go all the time, you don't make it to the playoffs, it's a crap season. You know, If you haven't made the playoffs and you win eight or nine games and you go to a bowl game, hey, that's still a good run. But if you're a regular visitor to the um, playoffs and then you have a, a dry run there, you know, then people complain. He's exactly right. And they don't deserve that. He's still got a, a, a great program. Elite? Well, what do you consider elite? Elite? Elite's the teams that are, I guess, making the playoffs pretty much every year. We'll see what happens this year. If Clemson doesn't make it for a third straight year, don't think you can put them in that elite category. Um, but we'll see what happens. Now, it's going to get softer, of course, when they expand the playoffs and everybody gets in. You know, That's going to make it a lot easier. It's like old Eddie Fogler used to complain about people complaining about not making the NCAA tournament. And he was accurate when he would say, well, look, you got 68 out of 350. And he was a math major, so he'd cite you the stats. You got 68 out of 350 making the NCAA tournament. And you got, what, 60 out of 128 making a, a bowl game. So, you know, who's got more pressure on them? The college basketball coaches do. That's who. So, Anyway, let's run to the break and come back and give you a, a few more of these signing classes that we can get to as we wrap it up here on National Signing Day number two for the 2023 recruiting campaign. See, we can do uh, Charleston Southern coming up. Try and get you Benedict. I'm sorry, try to get you a Presbyterian here as well. And we'll be back after this break. life it has its ups and downs 
Sometimes it's little things like hitting every red light or dropping your cell phone. Maybe it's the bills, rent, or pressure at work. But when it comes to the South Carolina Education Lottery, you should never feel like playing will solve everything. The lottery is a game. It's played for fun. So set a dollar amount. Expect not to win and make sure responsibilities, family, friends, and work come first. Visit PlayResponsiblySC.com. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in South Carolina. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the SCHSL and the South Carolina Athletic Administrators Association. Okay, back on uh, Sports Talk. I just got confirmation from a source in Arkansas that, yeah, Walker White is going to announce on Friday the quarterback out of Arkansas, and it does look, at this point, look pretty positive for Clemson uh, to get him. And uh, apparently, Art Bryles at Arkansas didn't show a whole lot of interest in him. The new OC there, kind of late to the party for him. And so he had Arkansas and, and Clemson were two of his top schools. Uh, looks like Clemson may be about ready to land their 2024 quarterback here by the end of the week. Okay, let me hit a few more of these signees for uh, Charleston Southern, the first class there for um, Coach Gar- uh, Giardina, Coach Gabe Giardina. And it's um, defensive back Ishan Arnold, Covington, Georgia. Defensive back Champ Brantley, Forsyth, Georgia. Defensive back Arthur Lee Brown, Warner Robins, Georgia. Tight end Tyler Glover, Fayetteville, Georgia. Running back Tyson Greenwade, Dalton, Georgia. Defensive back Malik Ori from Hanahan. Running back Octavius Eisen, Riverdale, Georgia. Linebacker Omari Jenkins from Timberland. Wide receiver Noah Jennings out of Westwood. Defensive lineman Cam Johnson from Seneca. Wide receiver Jaquez Kendall from Tampa. Quarterback Zoltan Osborne. He of the big hair from Fort Dorchester. Defensive lineman James Pisano, First Baptist. Offensive lineman Taylor Smith out of Snellville, Georgia. Defensive back Leon Thomas, Stockbridge, Georgia. Linebacker Julius Walton, Carrollton, Georgia. That is it. Charleston Southern. Let's go to... Uh, let's see, North Greenville. Oh, we did North Greenville. Did I do North Greenville? I did North Greenville. Let's go to Presbyterian. Presbyterian. Here we go. Receiver Jermichael Ambrose, west side of Augusta. Offensive lineman Zion Atawala, Cocono Creek, Florida. Receiver Kumani Benaby, Fort Lauderdale. Linebacker J.J. Coleman, Matthews, North Carolina. Offensive lineman Marcelo Coleman, Jacksonville. Linebacker Lawton Cox. Johns Creek, Georgia. Defensive back Thompson DeFames. Naples, Florida. As you can tell, I'm not real good on names. Wide receiver Jacob Deller out of Charlotte. Defensive back Keith Elmore, Somerville. Defensive back Willard Farrell, Miami. 
punter kicker Constantine Gaddis, Christ Church, offensive lineman Jacob Gardner, Baxley, Georgia, defensive back Jakari Jeter, Lawndale, North Carolina, defensive lineman Jake Gruel out of Folsom, California. It's a prison out there, isn't there? Quarterback Colin Hurst from Davie, Florida. Linebacker Zihar Jackson from Porter Goud. Athlete Chris Johnson from St. Joseph's. Linebacker Raymond McRae from Fayetteville. Kicker punter Mackenzie Miko from Noonan, Georgia. Defensive lineman Kenneth Oduba, Gastonia, North Carolina. Athlete Jalen Patrick, Hepzibah, Georgia. Defensive back J.T. Patton, Mount Holly, North Carolina. Linebacker J.D. Robinson of Legion Collegiate. Receiver Frankie Santiago, Melbourne, Florida. Athlete Hunter Satterfield from Dixie. Offensive lineman Landon Sauls of Myrtle Beach. Defensive lineman Jacob Thornton of Orlando. Defensive back Jamil Tucker of Raleigh. Linebacker Jalen Turner of Clearwater, Florida. Defensive lineman Gabe Whittington of Bradenton, Florida. And that is that for Presbyterian. Okay, I think we've hit the ones who've been announced. We'll look for more for tomorrow. Pick back up on things with you tomorrow. Get some rest. Time to dive into the 24 class tomorrow. Thank you, Pat. Have a great night, everybody. See you tomorrow.